Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We want to be a place where you can own your faith and take next steps in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe your next step is to seek out a community and join a movement group. Maybe it's supporting movement financially for the first time or using your gifts on a volunteer team. Whatever God is calling you to do, our prayer is that you will step out in faith and let Him lead you. For more information about your next step, please visit movementcolumbus.com. I had someone ask me after first service, they said, hey, what's the, what's the all-time record for most socks that someone purchased? And I was like, uh, I don't know, uh, 10 packs? And they're like, all right, I'm going to do 11. And I was like, okay, you're really competitive, but I salute your generosity. So uh, if you were wondering there, as you looked at that, that uh, Amazon link, if you're like, are we supposed to buy one or two? You buy as many as God tells you to buy, all right? And I know that there's probably not going to be a verse I can take you to where God said, and thus saith the Lord, buy a lot of socks. But we believe in that, and we think it is good. And we want to uh, love our city and, uh, and, and make an impact with the Y. So we're excited about that. So uh, that's, that's your sock update for the week from me. All right. So uh, other than that, I just want to say a, a huge thank you to everyone uh, who, who, who signed up for a car and donated candy, uh, came to Trunk or Treat last week, made a costume, brought your friends, met your neighbors here, uh, and helped us love our city in that way. We, we had what we believed to be our, our biggest Trunk or Treat ever. We, we try to get a count in every year. It's chaos because... You don't know how many uh, Buzz and Woodies there are, if it's the same person or not, but we tried to count people, and uh, we came out at, at 2,250, uh, and, and so the weather was good. There were a ton of people at, at Trunk Retreat, and as I mentioned, that's kind of just a, a gateway that, that we can um, build a relationship with our community. We've been able to, to help out families in multiple ways over the years uh, because they know us from Trunk Retreat, and so we're excited about that. Uh, and excited to, uh, to be there and, and eat all that candy. Uh, I don't know if you can tell. Um, I've had a rough week stealing candy from my kids. Uh, probably, probably two to three Butterfingers an hour is the clip I'm at, and it's been, uh, it's been pretty rough. Uh, I worked out the other day just completely out of guilt. I was like, I don't want to be here, but I started adding up how many candy bars I had the night before, and I was like, all right, we got to do this. we got to do this. So um, some of you, as I say that, are like, oh, I didn't know Mark worked out, and I just want to thank you for judging me. Uh, first of all, and being a mean, terrible person. Uh, and I kind of agree with you. But uh, I, I, uh, I do try to work out from time to time. Uh, as I've gotten older, I, I used to, to do a lot of running and people are like, it's not good for your knees. It's not good for your joints. You got to find something new. And so I, I tried to swim, but I grew up taking uh, swim lessons in a pond. And so I still can't kick off the wall and flip. I'm very confused by the whole thing. And the swimming community here makes fun of me. And so uh, I decided last year that I would get into cycling, uh, which even as I say it feels really pretentious. Uh, where I'm from, um, where I'm from, no one, no one does cycling. It's called riding a bike, right? Because I grew up on gravel roads. And so uh, I, I went ahead and got the spandex padded shorts thing, but I wear them under my basketball shorts because I'm just not ready to commit to the cycling scene here uh, in Columbus. It just seems a bit, a bit overkill for me. Uh, but what's good is they say it's not as hard in your joints and you do a lot more miles. And so maybe if you've uh, followed me on social media, you've seen me put up a ridiculous picture like that. Maybe you've seen me just upload a picture of like, hey, I rode 25 miles today. And you're like, what is that? Sometimes I have people, they think that I'm a runner and they're like, it looks like you ran a marathon. Good job. And I don't have the heart to tell them like, no, I was just on a bike and it wasn't that much work. Uh, but, but I decided I was going to get into cycling last year. Uh, Kristen bought me a, a bike. It's kind of like a hybrid between a road bike and a mountain bike. And I started putting miles on that thing. And then uh, the, the year ended. And so as, as this year kicked up, as the weather got warm, I decided that this was really going to be my year, that I was going to be like, Captain Cycling, whatever that means. And so uh, one of the first weekends in May, it was really warm and I went down. Uh, there is a, 
a, there's a parking lot uh, down off Alkire Road, kind of in Galloway, and, and you can park there. And if you ride into the city, it's 12 and a half miles, like directly to the Saito Mile and back. So it's a 25 mile loop. If you ride the other way where the trail kind of takes a jog and ends in London, Ohio, it's 12 and a half miles. And so you can do 25 either way. And so I've been doing that. And on this, this particular day, I decided that I was going to go into the city and I was gonna, this was gonna kick off my year, the year of Mark, the year of cycling, the year of awesomeness. And uh, I, I got down by Broad Street and I was, I was you know, kind of behind the casino and I, I, I was pedaling. And, and I remember just thinking like, wow, I don't remember this being so uphill. And I'm looking around and I'm like, there's, there's no hill here. And I, I remember like, man, is, maybe I don't understand this bike. Cause I grew up on bikes that didn't even have gears, right? So I'm like, maybe I'm in the wrong gear or something. And I'm, I'm pedaling and I'm going and I'm just like, this is not, this is not working. Oh, Mark's not getting the workout that he wanted. He's getting way more of that workout, right? And I, all of a sudden I, I look down and I realized that my tire wasn't just like losing air. It was, it was gone. Like I was riding on the rim and I wasn't even smart enough to know it. And I don't know how long I'd been going. And I just kept thinking like, all right, Mark, physical fitness, you gotta, you wanna meet your grandkids someday. Keep pedaling, keep going, here we go. And, and no matter what I did, like it just, it wasn't happening. And I, I know that some of you are probably like, this guy's an idiot, right? But I think, I think what we have in common, you've probably been in a situation before where you, you felt like you should be doing more. You felt like you should be trying harder. You felt like you should be more efficient or, or just better and, and, and things just weren't working, right? We're, we're starting this series today uh, in Ephesians called Made for More, and, and the, the, the heart behind this series is, is just that. We know that we've been called to follow Jesus. We know that we've been called to live our lives on mission for him, and yet sometimes we fall into this trap that we just think like, well, all right, this is about me. Here we go. I've got to do more. I've got to be more. I've got to say more. I've, I've got to be perfect. I've got to be more efficient. I've got to be more Christ-like. And I've got to do all of these things. And the reality is that sometimes it's not about us. And sometimes no matter how hard we're pedaling, no matter how hard we're trying, no matter how hard we're pushing, no matter where we're trying to make things go, it's just not enough. And so this series is going to talk about some of the mental shifts that need to happen in our mind, some of the things that we need to address so that we can actually realize our mission individually and corporately as a church so that we can accomplish what we were made to do. We were made for more. Jesus has called us to follow him. He's called us to be his disciples. He's called us to be disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And he carries us out. He sends us out to the ends of the earth to, to carry out the, the gospel. And yet sometimes it just doesn't feel like it's enough. It feels like there's more. And so we want to look uh, over these next six weeks at the book of Ephesians as a church to see exactly what it looks like for us to live out this concept of more in our identity. Now we're always uh, having our, our Sunday morning message messages kind of link up with our movement groups. And so the things that we're talking about on Sundays, we're going to be talking about in groups, but also uh, maybe you've heard, or as was mentioned, we have a, a devotional that we want everyone at Movement Church to be reading through in these six weeks. So you'll be able to find that off of Facebook, off of Instagram. Uh, it'll be sent out to you by your movement group leader. But we want to spend significant time in this book, in each chapter of this book for six weeks and read this and go through this together as a church and see what God has for us. So I want you to uh, go ahead and turn to Ephesians 1 if you've got a Bible today. If you don't have a Bible, there's probably one under your chair right around you there somewhere. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter one, and that's on page 895. The Bibles that are under your chairs are the New Living Translation, a really easy to read translation. And if you don't have a copy of God's word, we would love for you to take that home today as our gift to you. Let me give you some background 
In Ephesians chapter one, they're on page 895. This is a, a book that was written to the church in Ephesus, a book that was written by Paul around 62 AD while he was imprisoned in Rome. And the book of Ephesians basically has two themes. The first one is this, that Jesus Christ has reconciled all creation to himself and to the Father by his death, burial, and resurrection, what he did on the cross. And the second theme is this, that Jesus Christ has united people from all nations to himself and to each other in the church. And so this book has really two main themes talking about the fact that we are united in Christ and we are united in the church. Now, the town of Ephesus it's fun to say. It makes me feel intelligent as I say it. It's a, it's a, it's a town that was uh, kind of a, a big deal back in the day. It's located in what is now modern-day Turkey. Um, but at one point, it was like the most important port city in the Mediterranean world. And so there was a lot of culture, a lot of activity, a lot of things going on there. Uh, I had the, the Temple of Artemis. And so that was one of the original seven wonders of the ancient world. It's kind of a big deal, right? It's kind of like when your friends visit you here in Columbus and you just drive them by the horseshoe and you're like, See, this is our thing, right? You don't even know why. It's just a, it's a huge deal. They had the, this temple. And actually the temple at one point uh, was burnt down and the Greek empire said, hey, we're sorry about that. We'll repay for it. We'll, and they were like, no, no, we're, we're Ephesus. We're cool. We've got money. And they rebuilt this temple. And so they took a lot of pride in who they were as a city because they were an influential city where a lot of culture uh, flowed out of them. And so as, as the gospel came to Ephesus, as the church in Ephesus grew, they had a lot of impact in the spread of the gospel and the growth of the church because they were an influential city. So let's check out Ephesians 1 here together. We can read, see what God has for us and what Paul was teaching to the church in the book of Ephesians. It says this in verse 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything on heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were made the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. We'll take a break there and, and get into the, the next verses here in a little bit, but I want us just to process what these verses are saying and what I want you to know as this first chapter is taking shape and as it's laying the foundation for the whole book, that this whole first chapter is focused 
on God being the instigator in our salvation and in our process of sanctification. God is the one who sets this in motion and and kicks this off. And even as these first verses are talking, it refers to us as God's holy people, or maybe your translation refers to God's people as saints. These, These words are saying that God has called us out, called us out of darkness, called us out of our previous life, called us out of the things that have that have, have, have struck us down and have held us back. And God has made a way that we can be his people, that we are his adopted sons and daughters, that he has sent his son Jesus to change our lives. This same verse refers to us as faithful, which literally means full of faith. And so God has brought about our faith. God has brought about this change in our lives and in our hearts. And God, as scripture says, is the author and perfecter of our faith and our salvation. In fact, these verses here at the end also say in Christ Jesus, which which says that our identity is out of our relationship with Jesus. Our identity can be found in many other things. Our identity can be lost in many other things, but our identity comes from Jesus because we are God's holy people and we are full of faith. Now, verse three references that every spiritual blessing that we have is from the Holy Spirit. And it's not just talking about things that we normally associate with the Holy Spirit. It's not just talking about spiritual gifts, although those are awesome. It means that every aspect of what God has done and will do in our spiritual lives and in our relationship with him. And so the fact that God chose us He's getting credit for that. The fact that God has adopted us, the fact that God showed grace on us, that he's forgiven us, every aspect and every part of the gospel story, including giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit, which was mentioned there, is a gift from God as he initiates our faith. And verses four and five start to mention some things that sometimes get controversial or Christians love to joke at. It says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. So maybe your Bible says chosen, maybe it says elected, maybe it says predestined. And I want you to know that, like I said, Christians love to talk. Does this mean that we have free will? Does this mean that we're predestined? Does this mean that God chose who got to choose him and we don't have a choice? And we talk in circles and we talk about a lot of these things. And the language in this chapter chapter is primarily about God and shows us why God should be praised, right? Sometimes we read these chapters and we read verses like this and we're quick to make these things about us, but this is not about the nature of humans. This passage and these verses, as they talk about God, as they bring glory to God, are not about the nature of humans. This passage is about this concept called doxology, or, or that word basically just means praise God. In fact, maybe when you, when you were growing up, your church would always sing the doxology as they would leave. Remember the song, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Maybe you went to church with your grandma. They would sing that at the beginning or the end. That, some of you were like, I don't remember that. What's he talking about? All right, just trust me. There's this song that, that is equated with praising God. And that is what this, this passage and these verses are bringing about. These verses are speaking to God's character and telling us that we should praise him, that our lives should praise him. And so we're supposed to draw doxology from this, not systematic theology. Do we have free will? Do we not have free will? These verses are not meant to set us in motion and get us to argue about that. What they're saying is that God chose us. God chose you. God chose me based on his character. God chose us based on his character based on his plan, based on his actions, and not on some quality of the people that he's choosing. And thank goodness, because we're not the all-star team. 
Some of you might be having flashbacks to elementary school kickball where you, you'd pick the, the cool kids first and then you'd be at the end and they're like, do we have to pick Mark? Yeah, someone's got to take him on their team, right? And, and so you'd be the, the last pick and that's why I'm, I'm thankful for these verses and who our God is because he chose us, not because we deserve it, not because we're awesome, not because we're perfect, not because we'll never let him down. No, actually, in spite of all those things, he chose us and he instigated our faith. He, he, he kicked everything off here and he started this process and he said, you're going to be my people and I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my adopted sons and daughters because I love you, because this is my plan, because this is my will, because this is my character and this is who I am. I choose you and I love you. And I don't know if you get excited about things, but that's the kind of thing you can get excited about. That's, that's a passage that if you were the kind of person that wanted to smile, you could probably smile and be excited. That is worth smiling about and being excited about. This initiative is on the basis of God's goodness and God's grace. Nothing that we've done, nothing that we deserve, nothing that we can earn, nothing that we can plan, nothing that we can even really fathom, but we can sure be thankful for it. God chose you based on his character. In fact, these verses say that before the foundation of the world, God chose us. And that's not just about a when, because then we start having this conversation. When were the foundations of the world laid? How many thousands of years? We don't agree on that. Let's talk about that, right? Christians love to argue about things. There's been two main things we've argued about in the last week on Facebook as the universal church of Christian community. The first one being, who do we like more, John MacArthur or Beth Moore? I'm not weighing in, I'm just saying. And then the second one being, is Kanye really a Christian? Someone asked me, how did you go a whole week and not mention Kanye in a message? Well, I just broke that rule, all right? We pulled it off. If you're wondering, the best song on that album is Follow God. Just write that down and listen to it later, okay? But the point is, Christians sometimes love to argue and we love to have fights and we love to overanalyze things and miss the point of what God is setting in motion and what this passage is about is that God is for us. God loves us. God sets our faith in motion. God comes and, and, and chooses us on the basis of his grace and before the foundation of the world doesn't just express this when it expresses this choice of God's nature to love us, not because of our behavior, not because we're perfect, but because he wants to love us. Verses 11 to 14 tell us the goal of everything that we're given, the ability to know God, to hope, to be redeemed, is designed to give Jesus glory and to point others to him. And so all of this plan, everything that God has set in motion, everything that's flowed out of his character and who he is, is not because we're perfect. It's not because we're even kind of good. It's not even because we're tolerable. No, we, we know ourselves and we know that we're sinful people. We know that we mess up. We know that we make selfish decisions. We know that our sin separates us from God and yet God still chooses to love us. God still chose to send his one and only son, Jesus, to this world. And even though he was perfect, people tried to, to push sin and punishment on him and he went to the cross, not because he deserved it, but he was, he was crucified on the cross to take our punishment for our sin. That's how God shows his love to us. And so when we're able to be redeemed, to be saved for our lives, to be transformed, it's not so that, that God can have us live life and say, well, I guess I did it. I'm a pretty good person after all. Everything that we have, everything that we are, everything that we will become is to point to God and to glorify him. And so Ephesians starts by laying this foundation and reminding us that we don't deserve anything that we have in Jesus, and yet we can be excited about that and we can praise him. 
So why does it matter that God loves us out of his nature, out of his character? Why does it matter that he chose us? Why does it matter that he calls us on this mission? Because sometimes we forget this mission. We forget who we are. We forget what we're called to. We forget our DNA. We forget our identity. And we just think like, well, I think my, I think my goal this week is to not swear at work and listen to Christian radio. I think my goal is to try and get to church and maybe check in on Facebook so my high school friends know that I'm a better person than them. That's not our only purpose. We were made for more. We were called for more. We were called to more. And we've been given this identity and this mission. And Jesus is saying, this is who you are. And this is the mission I'm calling you on. So if you're a note taker, write this down. But this is one of the things that Ephesians will will teach us, that we were made for more individually and corporately. We weren't just called to say, well, I'm saved. That's good enough. Well, I guess I'm part of the church. Let's try not to screw this up. God has given us this mission to live for him, to take the gospel to the ends of the world. God has given us this mission to be disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And that's a serious calling that we can run after all of our lives. Individually, we can run after that. And corporately, we can run after that. And so what does it look like for us to be a church that cares about that? Paul answers some of those questions here in verse 15 as this chapter goes on. He says, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. For us to live the mission that Jesus has given us, for us to not lose sight and to drift, for us to stay on mission as individuals and as, as a corporate church, we have to make a couple of shifts because sometimes in the American church, we get distracted and we, we look at these things like attendance and numbers and campaigns and goals, and we think that's the why. That's never the why. That's the what. We want to keep our attention and our focus on the why, and that is to glorify God by the lives that he's given us, to glorify God by the mission he's given us, to glorify God by the mission that he has called us on. And so as we drift, sometimes we have to look back to, to the, the word and say, Lord, what are the shifts that we need to make? Well, here's the one that chapter one tells us. We need to go from more effort to more Jesus. No matter who you are and where you're from, there will be moments in your mission as you live your individual mission for Jesus that you will be tempted to think this is about me and I need to do more, and I need to be more, and I need to pedal harder and try harder, and I'm going to make this work, and this is up to me. And I don't mean to talk you into depression today or put you down, but it is never about you. It is never about you. 
Yes, that's an ironic thing for a guy who's up here talking and spent the whole week preparing a, a message about this. And I had to remind myself of this constantly because I couldn't help but think, well, maybe if I arranged this this way, this joke would go better. And then someone will start crying and then the whole room will give their lives to Jesus and it will be the greatest message of all time. And God said, hey, Mark, it's, it's never about you. You don't change hearts. You don't change lives. You don't change much of anything. You're not that special. And so I had to be reminded this week that I need to regularly remember this needs to happen, that I need to go from more effort to more Jesus. You and I are conduit for Jesus and all we can do is point people to Jesus and point people to his word and let him change them and let his word change their lives. We don't change people. And when we're trying to do things in our strength and our power and our talent and our ability and our intelligence and our comedic genius and our everything, guess what? We're going to let people down and we're going to let ourselves down. And all we're going to point people to is our own sin and our own depravity and our own separation from God. And so our job is to bring glory to him, to point people to him. Ephesians tells us to, to accomplish this, going from more effort to more Jesus, we have to do two things. And here's the first one. We just simply have to hope in Jesus. Verse 19 talks about God's greatness, and above that, it even, it even says this. Verse 18, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. God has not called us to be perfect. God has not called us to be enough. God has not called us to be great. He's called us to have confident hope in his greatness. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be enough. You just have to know who is enough. And you have to point people to the one that's enough. And so what does it look like to know your confident hope? You need to know scripture. You need to know your identity in Jesus. You need to know the gospel. You need to know what his word says about you and about your mission. You need to analyze that. You need to study that. But just as much as you need to know that, you need to live that out. Your confident hope should change the way you treat people. And your confident hope should change the way that your marriage looks and the way that you parent and the way that you interact around the water cooler. And your confident hope should change the way that you talk at your bowling league. And it should change the way that you do leaf collection and everything about your life and every corner of your life and every aspect of your life. You should be changed by your confident hope in who Jesus is and what he's done in your life. And so you should hope in Jesus. And that's not just this academic knowledge thing. That means to dream and to look at the world and think, what can Jesus do through me? What can I accomplish when I'm pointing people to Jesus? What can I do in his name to bring glory to him? In verse 19, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. And God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. So if we're going to go from more effort to more Jesus, the first thing we have to do is hope in Jesus. But the second thing that we have to do is proclaim the fullness of God through the church. God created the church for our benefit. God created the church so that the gospel could go out to the world so that we could have impact. Yeah, the church isn't perfect. 
This church, this local church isn't perfect and the worldwide universal church is not perfect either because it's made up of sinful people. And yet I can't help but think that's kind of the point because you and I can't get the credit when the church is awesome because we are not awesome. When the church is displaying God's power, when the church is doing its job, when the church is taking the gospel to the ends of the world so that lives can be transformed, it's pointing people to Jesus. It's glorifying Jesus. And so where can we go to point people to Jesus? What can we be invested in that will point people to Jesus? How can we know that we're doing what God has called us to do and living this mission individually and corporately? Where can we invest our time and our talents and where can we do all these things? In the one place he set up that he said, this is where I want you to invest. He wants us to be anchored in the church. And so you can, you can disciple people in the church and through the church. And you can love your city through the church. And you can invest in people who are going to other countries in and through your church. And you can know that you're sitting and resting inside of God's plan. If we're going to go from more effort to more Jesus, we have to hope in Jesus and we have to proclaim the fullness of God through the church. So what does it look like for us to do that? Well, I can't help but think that there may be some people here today who have never hoped in Jesus. Maybe they've tried to hope in themselves and and hope in their own ability and hope in their career and hope in their achievements and hope in their family. and, And they're slowly finding out that all of those things have let them down and fallen short. At the end of ourselves, we often see our need for God. So if, if maybe today for the first time you're realizing that all of the things that we place hope and we take comfort in can, can let us down, there's one thing and one person who will never let you down, and that is Jesus. And there's one person who, who loved you even when you didn't feel that you should be loved. And there's one person who chose you for their team when, when you didn't think anyone wanted you on their team, and that is Jesus. And he came to this world and he gave his life so that you could know God so that you could have purpose, so that you could have hope, so that you could have a relationship with him and so that you could be found. And it is a a life-altering decision to choose to trust Jesus, but it's, it's not complicated. It's just simply saying, Jesus, I am not enough, but you are enough. Your life and your death and burial and resurrection on the cross is enough to pay the price for my sins. And I want to give my life to you. I want to live my life for you. Placing your hope in Jesus for the first time would just simply be recognizing that. And so if you want to talk to someone about that decision today, if you want to talk to someone about trusting Jesus and putting your hope in Jesus, you can write that on the Next Steps card that was on your seat. We would love to follow up with you and talk to you. Just have a a conversation about what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you would say that you've placed your hope in Jesus, but, but today was just a reminder. Maybe today was a reminder that you don't have to be the top performer at your job. You don't have to be the greatest husband or wife of all time. You don't have to be the greatest son or daughter or sister or brother. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to glorify God and point people to Jesus. As you hope in Jesus, let the world see your hope in Jesus. And as you place your hope in Jesus, learn to dream in that same economy and dream of what Jesus can do in your life and in your heart. And as he places dreams in your life and in your heart, individually and corporately, invest in the church and see what God does in and through the church. That's what it means to go from more effort to more Jesus. There's going to be a moment that you're going to feel like your wheels are spinning and that you're not going anywhere. 
There's going to feel uh, some moment in your relationship with Jesus where you just think like, man, no matter what I do, it's not enough, and I'm trying harder and harder. And in that moment, you need to remember that if you're looking at yourself, if you're putting the attention and the focus on yourself, if you're expecting more from yourself, your mind is already in the wrong spot. You need to shift your focus from more effort to more Jesus. How can you make your struggle about him? How can you look to him? How can you point your attention and your mind and your heart to him? And how can you point others to him? This passage says very clearly that we were put on this earth for one reason. That was to bring glory to Jesus. We were made for more and that's the more. It's not more success, more money, more fame, more stock options, more vacation homes the more that we were made for is to bring more glory to the name of Jesus because of what he's done in our lives and in our hearts. I hope you know that. I hope, I hope that you trust that today. And so the question is, how will you point the world to Jesus? How will you bring glory to his name? How will you see that happen in the church and in your heart? Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the reminders that you give us. Thank you for the book of Ephesians. Lord, just, just showing us that sometimes we, we drift, sometimes we forget, sometimes we try to be the answer. Lord, even when we know that we're not the answer. So God, help us to be people who point to you, people who look to you, people who hope in you, and people who find our identity in you. God, help us not just to, to find our hope in you, but to help others find hope in you, Lord. We know you've set the church up to do that. And the, sh- the church is where you, where you show off and where you show your power because you want us to, to see you and to see your glory and to be transformed. And so help us to invest in the place that you have called us to be. Help us to invest in your church, Lord, because it is your glory and your power that we want people to see. Lord, we were made for more and we want to experience more of you. Lord, be with us over these next weeks as we look at Ephesians, as we spend time in this book daily, and as groups, Lord, change us from the inside out. Help us to find more of our mission as a church, as your sons and daughters who are adopted, Lord. We thank you and we praise you for the work you've done. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We hope wherever you are, this message encourages you to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com.